You know they're all doing it on purpose, right? The Democrats. Our, our special tonight is about Joe Biden, his administration. I mean, we should never really say Joe Biden, right? Because what's Joe Biden really running? But it's about Biden's administration, his broken economy, how bad things are. And we're going to go over so many things tonight. We have so many great guests for you. But I want you to understand something as we go through all this. And I'm, I'm going to repeat myself several times. They know these policies don't work. They're doing this on purpose. And that, that's what the right has such a hard time with. You might be having a hard time with it right now. You probably are. You're probably saying to yourself, no, that's not true. Well, I'm, I'm sure they mean well. Or if you get past that, you'll get to this thing where you'll say, they wouldn't ruin their own country. They would if they hated it. They would if they hated it. Joe Biden came out recently, and he was dogging on Reagan's triple-down economics. I really enjoyed this. Forty years ago, we chose the wrong path, in my view, following the misguided philosophy of people like Robert Bork and pull back on enforcing laws to promote competition. We are now 40 years into the experiment of letting giant corporations accumulate more and more power. And where have, what have we gotten from it? Less growth, weakened investment, fewer small businesses. Too many Americans who feel left behind. Too many people who are poorer than their parents. I believe the experiment failed. I'm sorry, maybe my earpiece is acting up. I think he just said we're getting fewer small businesses. Do you have any idea how many small businesses Democrats and their policies have slaughtered over the last year and a half? And again, back to what I said in the very beginning, I want you to understand something. It's intentional. Small business owners, by and large, the, the vast majority of small business owners are Republicans. He's crying about big corporations. Did big corporations support Donald Trump or Joe Biden for president. Joe Biden sits in the Oval Office because of big corporations. The Democratic Party doesn't care about you. They don't care about small businesses at all. They care about power, and they care about wrecking this country. And they plan on doing both of those things simultaneously. They know they can tear through this economy and hurt their opponents. They didn't go after small businesses by accident. They went after them on purpose. I saw people on the right do this time and time and time again. They would say, well, they're hurting small businesses. Why can't they see? Of course they see. They're not polite. Of course they know. They're hurting small businesses because small businesses vote Republican. And when you wipe out a small business, you either A, send that business owner into poverty, which will make you more likely to vote Democrat, or B, you send that small business owner into a big corporation, which will make you more likely to vote Democrat. They know. Joe Biden knows Democrat policies are terrible for the economy. They've always known that. Everyone knows that. Even Democrats. You ever have, you ever have a cousin or aunt or uncle you talk to in private? They know. They know Republican policies are better for the economy. They don't care. They don't care. 
I mean, you see things like the stimulus checks. You know, Democrats are still all about sending out stimulus checks. And you're having Republican governors starting to refuse any of this additional unemployment stuff. Why? Because people aren't going back to work. People aren't going back to work, and that's crucifying the economy. Because these small businesses who are already teetering on the brink, they don't have the employees to carry on. They can't do it. So people are screaming at Democrats. Now, why are you, why are you still doing this? What, what, why are you sending these unemployment checks? It's hurting the economy. They know. They know it's hurting the economy. That's something that's going to be very hard for the right to come around on. It is. They always spread lies. They spread lies about everything. They've spread lies about trickle-down economics for years. The truth is employers they're good guys now not always obviously i realize there are bad employers out there but you want people to be employers you want lots of them and you know that you know what i'll tell you something else i know this doesn't this doesn't play well in the wealth envy world we live in now you should want rich people to get richer you should because when rich people get richer they spend money. They expand their businesses. They go out and blow money on a boat. Good. Guess who builds boats? Normal working men. Go buy a plane. Go buy a house. Go buy a boat. Uh, hire 15 maids. I don't care. When rich people make more money, they spend it. Trickle-down economics does work. It always has worked. The great Thomas Sowell elaborated on it better than I ever could. Where does this phrase trickle-down come from? Oh, I don't know. It was as far back as, uh, as, the, as the first, as the uh, Roosevelt administration. Uh, there is absolute, it, it is a, an incredible uh, thing. It's, there is a non-existent theory that is constantly being attacked. Uh, some years ago in my newspaper column, I challenged anybody to cite any economist outside of an insane asylum who had ever made that argument. Nobody ever, ever, ever came up with a single person. So when Barack Obama says in this past July, quote, we were told that prosperity Ask him who told him. Nobody told him. Nobody no told him. No economist has ever held that. No, no politician has ever said it. I don't know of anybody who's ever said it. In fact, uh, when I put this out, and I went, went out in a nationally syndicated column, uh, various people uh, wrote me and said, well, so-and-so said that so-and-so said it. But find me the person who said it. I don't want to hear how you... A said that B said, find me B and show me where he said it. And that was years ago. Not one example has been offered. You see, this is why, I want you to understand this. This is why leftists react so angrily when you press them on any of their policies. Because they're not taught to think things through. In fact, the people who teach them, the last thing they want is them to think things through. They're taught to spread all kinds of mindless propaganda out there, and then when challenged on it, don't go for the argument, personally attack. That's why you get so many of these name-calling and personal attacks from these people. That's not an accident. It's not because they're all ill-tempered. It's a strategy. It's like when you have a fight, have a fight with your husband or wife. And you're fighting over uh, who didn't take the trash out. And eventually one person will say, well, I don't like it when your mother-in-law comes around. Well, that's the person who lost the argument. 
The one who changes the subject is the one who lost the argument. Democrats know they cannot possibly argue their point about economics. They can't possibly defend any position they have about economics. And there's no way they can defend these spending levels. Have you seen the debt clock? Have you seen the U.S. national debt clock? Uh, I, I don't know. My eyes may be de deceiving me, but I looked and that's, that looks like $28 trillion. Everybody knows that's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. But when you press them on that, they propose these out-of-control budgets, three, four trillion dollars. I mean, proposing the end of a nation. What do you get? You hate poor people. That's crazy. They know these policies are destructive. They know their policies are destructive. That's the idea. Remember, and even though we're focusing on the economy tonight, that's why the border is the way it is under Joe Biden's administration. And that's going to have huge economic impacts as well, as you'll see local hospitals get overrun. You'll see local schools get overrun. The economy is going to suffer because of that too. But again, you point that out to them. Uh, you have a bunch of people. You're not keeping records on them. Uh, we have a million flowing into the country, three million flowing into the country. This is terrible for America. And they don't bat an eye, do they? They never, ever, ever bat an eye because they know. So when we talk to all these guests tonight and we talk about just how bad the economy is and why we have the inflation numbers we have and the national debt and taxes and, and all these other things, always keep in the back of your mind. When you tell one of these modern day Democrats, one of these communists, when you tell one of these people how destructive his policies are, you might as well be telling the chef how good the meal tastes. He knows. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We'll be back. Inflation. Everybody's worried about inflation. I mean, you should be, right? 5.4% is no joke. Predictions of more dire things to come. But joining me now is my good friend, Carol Roth. She is the author of the book, You Really Should Probably Get Your Hands On, The War on Small Business. Carol, here's my issue. And I try not to be cold-hearted, but I'm a sociopath. There's only so much feeling I have inside of me. I hear a lot of complaining today about inflation and inflation and inflation. But I heard all these people complaining, like yesterday, saying, pass me a COVID stimulus bill. Where's my stimulus check? Do people not make these connections, Carol? They don't, because as a major, supposedly reputable business news source put out the other day, so the silver lining of inflation, higher wages. So you get paid oh, yes. $2 more in an hour, but your pizza costs $23 a slice. Now, you're doing great. And unfortunately, when you have the media that is complicit in putting out these ridiculous narratives and refusing to educate the, the population on what the government and the Federal Reserve together are doing and how they're destroying the value of the dollar, uh, people get really excited that their range is going to go up another $2. So that's what we're fighting against. And again, this is coming out of sources that bill themselves as business television. Carol, the Federal Reserve, I, let's 
Let's do that thing where I just got down from planet Mars. I'm an alien. I've never been here before. What is the Federal Reserve? Federal Reserve is a giant scam, Jesse Kelly. Uh, they are supposed to be an independent agency. Somehow we have outsourced the policy for stabilizing prices and making sure we have full employment at the same time to a quote, again, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, independent agency. And unfortunately, because they get their mandate from Congress, but Congress doesn't really get to peek behind the scenes, and we all know, all know that everybody's in cahoots together, uh, they really haven't put any reins around what they've been doing. They have facilitated the most historic wealth transfer in our lifetime from Main Street to Wall Street. They have artificially suppressed interest rates down near zero, and they have what they call printed money, but literally made it up out of nowhere. They just went into their account and said, oh, we have money. If you and I did this, we'd be in jail. But for them, that's monetary policy. Uh, and they have put that into the market. So with doing that, you know, you're, you, if you're a saver or a retiree, you're trying to earn um, some money based on your savings, you're getting almost nothing on that. But at the same time, they're loaning out money to these big corporations who are using it to compete with and crush you if you are a small business or somebody who's trying to buy a house even at this point in time. Uh, so they have enabled this insane amount of wealth transfer on their balance sheet, which as I said, is with money that has uh, come from nowhere that they've gone out to purchase securities in the market. It is topped $8 trillion that they have messed with at this point in time, continue to suppress interest rates. And the real reason why they're doing this is because we have national debt that is nearing $30 trillion. And they know if interest rates start to move up, that the interest that we're going to have to pay to service that debt is going to crowd out on other spending, and the government doesn't want that to happen. So basically, they're supposed to be helping the economy, but they're helping their buddies in Washington, D.C., and we should all be outraged about this. Carol, now look, I just signed a 30-year fixed on a home at 265. I love low interest rates. What's wrong with low interest rates? Well, they're not good when they are artificially low and they're distorting the supply and demand uh, risk imbalance in the markets. Uh, you were lucky that you were able to find a home in many places. You might have to compete with a private equity firm or a venture capital company that has a lot more capital access than you do to go out and buy the house, and you're going to be buying it at inflated prices. So anything, any be little benefits you get, your little crumb, your little you know, lower mortgage rate or your stimulus check, means you're counting your bucks here while they're backing up the Brinks truck behind you with trillions of dollars that are going to the big company and you're focused on counting the like, you know, hundreds of dollars that you've got in your hands. That's the trick that they're playing on the American people right now. Well, first of all, Carol, venture capital companies have to deal with me, not vice versa. But setting that aside, you brought up the wealth transfer. Is there a book I can read about the wealth transfer? Well, it's funny that you mentioned it. There just so happens to be one called the War on Small Business, which even though we lead with small business, we do delve into this historic 
wealth transfer that everybody should be paying attention to because it's making it harder for people to create wealth through business ownership, through investing in the market, through owning a home, and so on and so forth. That's the path to economic freedom. If we give that up, you know what happens. We slide in the other direction towards whatever you want to call it, socialism, central planning, uh, communism, pretty socialism, I don't care what the word is, but force and control with a handful of people making all the decisions, and that's not a good outcome for anybody. No, it's certainly not. Carol, 47%. Uh, the, the, these numbers about small business, 47% have raised prices seven points to 47%, which is the highest seasonally adjusted inflation since 1981. That's from the National Federation of Independent Business. And then you have this number from the Wall Street Journal, 2%. Forecasts are above 2% clear through 2023. Now, these are percentage numbers. So the second I brought this up, 47% and 2% in inflation, everybody's eyes glazed over and they rolled their eyes and they don't know what I'm talking about anymore. Can you make this a practical thing? What's it look like for me on the ground? Well, first of all, Jesse, I want to congratulate you for being able to read those numbers. You've come a long way since we started on this economic journey. So I just wanted to... No big deal. So like, Give, throw some flowers in your direction on that. <laughs> uh, but it means that your dollar has less buying power. So if the cost of an employee goes up, if the cost of products go up, then there are only two options. Well, I guess there are three options. The business either goes out of business entirely, which is not a good option. Um, they decide that they're going to eat that uh, price increase, which means they have less dollars to pump into the economy or more likely they're gonna try and pass it on to you as a consumer. So again, your, your slice of pizza, which may have been five bucks, goes to seven bucks, maybe goes to nine bucks and you know, keeps going up. And unfortunately, this is systemic. It's not like it's just affecting one piece. You know, If you have higher oil prices, gas prices go up, shipping container prices stay higher, um, it costs more for people to get to their jobs. So then they're demanding higher wages. These things, they just build upon each other and the cost of everything goes up. Your dollar, even if you make a few more, doesn't have any additional earning power. It has less earning power. And as you can imagine, that more disproportionately affects the people at the lower end of the income range uh, who, are, who are using more of their income in order to go out and live their lives. People who have assets, stocks, houses that get inflated in value, in some cases, might benefit. Um, so th again, this is attack on the individual, attack on the small businesses, and don't let any business outlets tell you that there's a silver lining to it. There's no silver lining. And worst case scenario, by the way, is something we've talked about before, is stagflation, where you get this increase in prices but the economic growth actually stagnates. So that's a combination that we saw in like the late 70s, early 80s, and based on the policies that are coming out of the Biden administration that are not pro-growth, uh, it's very possible that the growth stalls out, but you still see the effects of inflation based on what the government and the Fed has been doing. Oh, Carol, what's this economy look like in 10 years? I mean, I, I talked about it. I know you talked about it a lot. Shoot, you talk about it in your book. At the very beginning, when they were slaughtering small business, I said, we're going to see the rise of these mega corporations that run everything. And I have no problem with big business. I, I have no problem with small business. But it's not healthy when your whole country is run by five or six mega corporations. And it seems like it's inevitable now. 
I mean, that certainly if we don't stand up for decentralization, the half of the economy that was before COVID in the hands of 30.2 million disparate entities, and we don't start giving them the opportunity to compete on a fair and even playing field, that's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to slide from freedom to central planning. You're going to have fewer options. Those companies are going to have more control. Uh, they're going to be in cahoots with the government to do things that are better for them. And I think that the bottom line is that there's going to be less uh, or fewer wealth creation opportunities, I, I guess I should say, for the average American. And that is what this country is founded on. That's why people come here from every part of the globe is to pursue that economic freedom, to create wealth or to be able to have the, the freedom to pursue their passions or their flexibility that they're looking for. And those options aren't going to be available. We are going to be servants to a handful of big corporations that are in bed with special interests and big government. And like best case scenario, you end up looking like the UK or France. And worst case scenario, you end up looking like you know, Venezuela or Cuba. So like the, the, the trajectory of movement in that uh, direction is not good. Those are not the economic ideas we wanna be importing into this country. And so everybody needs to stand up and pay attention right now. Support with your dollars, the decentralized portion of the economy, but please stand up for these ridiculous laws or stand up against these ridiculous laws that are standing in the way of having decentralized competition and that balance in our in our market. Carol Roth, everybody. The book is The War on Small Business. Thank you, Carol. Appreciate you. Appreciate you as well. All right. I'll be back. Well, this is always a fun segment for me. Joining me now is famous chef Andrew Gruel. He's with, of course, Slapfish. I would not walk by Slapfish if you're ever in California. The stuff this guy posts on social media, my word. Chef, first of all, your state apparently sucks when it comes to getting the economy back rolling. California, most beautiful state in the country, 45th out of 50. 45th out of 50. Why? Uh, I know, because you... I'm kind of angry it's not 50 out of 50. <laughs> Look, but it's 45th okay. out of 50 because there's four other, five other morons out there. But really what it comes down to is, is that every single one of these policies we predicted was going to put California in the hole when it came to everything from business development, you know, trying to stimulate the local economy and getting workers back to work. And of course, all of these things that we predicted have now happened and they're all trying to figure out a way to spin it and blame it on something else and of course somehow it's always trump's fault or who knows maybe it's nixon's fault i don't know what specifically are they doing wrong that makes your life harder and people you know's life harder as employers well number one this executive authority right the, the maintaining these powers under the pandemic has given newsom the opportunity to really weaponize a lot of local agencies. So whether it's the health department, whether it's the whether it's OSHA, whether it's a lot of those local agencies that now come into your restaurant, come into your business day in and day out and tell you what to do beyond what once was the purview 
of their, you know, kind of their scope, right? For example, OSHA now sending letters saying we've got to keep all these specific vaccine records. We have to make sure that people who haven't been vaccinated are wearing masks or aren't wearing masks. We need to keep records. We need to kind of point fingers. And then furthermore, really, you know, that almost deputizes a lot of the team members and then people coming into the restaurants to turn on you. So we're already understaffed as it is. We're already trying to keep up with the tax code in California, which moves, um, you know, as quickly as Paris Hilton through a nightclub. The problem is that we can't even keep up with yesterday's regulations, let alone today's regulations. Now we don't have the staff to do so. And now they're piling more on top of us. And they're doing so in a manner where they're using these these divisive issues, vaccines, masks, pandemic related um, uh, fictionary, you know, fictionary, right? Fictionary. These, these kind of fictitious items that they want us to stand behind or reject. And then it further galvanizes the hate. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Okay, so OSHA. Now, I grew up in construction, as most people know. I didn't grow up doing this. And so I'm well aware of OSHA. What does it look like if OSHA comes in and they say, hey, chef, uh, this record isn't good, this safety isn't good, and you say, hey, OSHA, go pound sand. Where does it go from there? Well, if we say, hey, OSHA, go pound sand, they have ultimate authority to just keep putting the boot on our neck, right? Um, And it's the same thing with the labor commissioner, right? So the labor commissioner wants to come in and do just a blanket investigation, perhaps, right? Maybe that would happen. Maybe that happened to me after speaking out against Newsom. And maybe I've got hundreds of employees getting letters in the mail with leading letters saying, hey, they haven't been accused of anything yet, but why don't you fill out this form and let us know if you've ever missed a meal, if you've ever had X, Y, and Z happen to you, and now suddenly the business is under this grand investigation. Now, in a typical lawsuit, if somebody sues you for something frivolous, then you can go back after them for legal fees. In California, when the bureaucracy goes after you, they just wrap you up in red tape and you have no recourse. You've just got to play the game and they can drain you and come up with nothing. But at the end of the day, look, you know, I've had thousands of employees. I'm sure we missed a break here and there. I'm sure we missed a meal period. And that's just one example. So that's how they come after you. So it's OSHA, it's the labor commissioner, it's any one of these agencies that they use to kind of, you know, gag you. Chef, why California for you? I mean, obviously, you're well-known at this point in time. People see the stuff you post. Everyone I've ever talked to that eats at your restaurant says it's the best thing ever. Why suffer like that when there are other states out there? I mean, people have family concerns, business concerns. Are you just too deeply rooted in Cali? Hey, I'm a Jersey boy originally, so it's not as if I'm that deeply rooted here in California. But at the same rate, you know, why, why, why would I run away from that? Um, wouldn't you want to have somebody behind enemy yeah. lines? Uh, you know, I'm not going to stand here and let them push me out. California's beautiful. The terroir is unbelievable. The ocean is 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 yeah. an unbelievable amenity. And I don't just mean that from a you know an aesthetic perspective, but also from an economic perspective. The California coastline and the exclusive economic zone gives the United States the greatest economic advantage over any other country in the world, and we're not taking advantage of it. We have no open ocean aquaculture system. We ship it all to Canada and Mexico. And our oceans actually have the power to basically take care of the majority of the energy issues that everybody complains about, especially when it comes to providing protein in the form of aquaculture. So I'm here to try and bang that drum and make it happen because I'm not a weenie and I'm not going to bend over backwards. Chef, I'm looking at this from Papa John's. It's giving its pizza makers bonuses of up to $400 and 50 bucks for referring new hires. 
That's how bad the labor shortage has gotten. We're now paying employees to find their friends who can come to work. Why? Why aren't people going back to work, Jeff? Well, first I'll say that's chump change. Um, you know, we, we did that anyway before the pandemic and before the issues. You always want to use your own team members to act as a recruiter, right? Um, it, it's a pretty good business strategy. Everybody's just throwing cash at it right now because they don't understand the nuance of the problem. The reason why there are no workers available is really two or threefold. Number one, yes, people in the entry level arena are getting enough money on unemployment benefits to wait this thing out. That's not necessarily an implication um, of laziness, but it also is the fact that you've got all these governors talking about the Delta variant, the Epsilon variant, all of these things, and they're saying, we're going to lock down again. We know we are. So I'm going to I'm going to take advantage of these unemployment benefits before my governor locks me back down again. You notice in states where the lockdowns aren't as much of a threat, people are naturally going back to work regardless of the unemployment benefits. Number two, the school systems have been used as a tool. So obviously the unions are making sure that the schools aren't open, which is forcing people to pay for private health care, even though we hate the private notion of this. The goal is, of course, they want to have public health care be part of the tax you know, taxes that we pay. But in the meantime, people have to fund the private health care. And if they can't put their kids back in school, then they got to make a choice between working and then having somebody else watch their kids or staying home and then obviously using the money on unemployment. And then the third piece of this is, is that customers are right now. The government has created a situation that encourages Americans to turn on Americans. And the arena in which we're seeing that happen is restaurants, right? It's it's something that we walk in and out of every single day, restaurants, food service, etc. because we all have to eat. And they're forcing Americans to turn on Americans. They're forcing employees to police people about masks and now vaccine cards. Nobody wants to work in that environment. Customers are really, really unbelievably difficult right now. Um, and that's making it hard for people to come back to the restaurant industry versus working in some sort of a remote industry where they can just punch buttons on a computer. How does someone become a chef? Uh, a little bit of insanity and, uh, you know, just a desire to work as much as possible and a love of food. Yeah, well, that's that. Look, I love food. What's 86struggle.com? So that was the that was the group that we set up in order to establish effectively our own unemployment fund when Newsom's, uh, you know, gave out all the unemployment money to fraudsters and felons overseas. So all these people were work were, were not working. They were fired without any access to funds. So we started 86 Restaurant Struggle in December to distribute those funds. Now that obviously unemployment has caught up and the system is now giving out too much money again, we've actually stopped raising money for that specific goal. We're trying to help small businesses and small restaurants. And we're also helping Save the Brave, which is our the veteran organization that helps uh, veterans with post-traumatic stress, primarily through offshore fishing trips. So it's Save the Brave Offshore. You know, I like offshore fishing. I just prefer to be out on a lake more. Does that make me weird? Are you too much of a California guy? Would you not go out on a lake fishing? No, see, I'm, I'm, I'm a freshwater guy as well, being from Jersey. Um, you know, you go offshore in New York or wherever, and you end up just catching bodies. So, yeah, I like it in California, especially when the bluefin are hitting, but you got to know. You've got to be experienced. Um, and anyway, you're hitting a lot of the islands out here, so it's a combo of both. But really, for me, yes, sitting on a lake, freshwater, bass, what have you. Lake Travis out there by Austin is a great place as well. That's where I like to get to. Yes, it is. I just got back from there a few weeks ago, took the fam out there. Chef Andrew Gruel, go eat at his restaurant, Slapfish. You will not regret it. Chef, thank you, sir. Thank you for having me.
I can already tell the hate mail I'm going to get about the ocean fishing. I'm not against ocean fishing. I've been a thousand times. I like it. It's not as peaceful as being on the lake. The ocean, it's a blast. I love the ocean. It's a little loud. A little, it's a little chaotic. I, I already have that because I'm married. All right. We got more. Hang on. Not a ton of bright and sunny news coming out about the economy and inflation and jobs. And joining me now to talk about that is John Carney, the Breitbart News Finance and Economics Editor. John, uh, here's Jerome Powell, and this doesn't sound good. Inflation has increased notably and will likely remain elevated in coming months before moderating. Inflation is being temporarily boosted by base effects as the sharp pandemic-related price increases from last spring drop out of the 12-month 12 12-month 12 calculation. In addition, strong demand in sectors where production bottlenecks or other supply constraints have, have limited production has led to especially rapid price increases for some goods and services, which should partially reverse as the effects of the bottlenecks unwind. Oh, okay. John, what does any of that mean in English? So what it means is prices have gone up a lot, more than they expected, but he does think that it's going to stop going up sometime in the unspecified future. They say oh, it's going to be transitory, okay. but they won't tell us when we get off the transit. Okay, uh, wow, that's that's really comforting from the from the Fed chairman. But <laughs> why did they go up to begin with? I, I mean, I I see a lot of people using a bunch of very vague terms when it comes to inflation and why we have it. Can anybody give me specifics on why the value of the money I have in the bank, as small as that may be, is going down? Sure, I can give you a couple. One, we paid a huge amount of extra money into the economy over the last year that was probably necessary in 2020 when we were shutting down big parts of the economy and throwing people out of work. But then we kept doing it this year. Remember in March, we passed a new stimulus, sent checks out to everybody. We also extended unemployment benefits. That was a mistake. We should have let the enhanced unemployment benefits run out. The economy was about to start recovering. And when you pump extra money into the economy, and at the same time, you still have supply constraint because you're paying people not to go to work, then that's a pretty good recipe for inflation. And that's what we're seeing right now. John, you wrote an article about jobless claims rising unexpectedly to higher than $373,000 or 373,000 people. Why? Well, what's going on? Is this still the unemployment checks? Too many of them are coming. Why are people going back to work? So yes, this was unemployment checks being higher than expected. It's since come down a little bit. And I think the reason it started to come down is that we're seeing states, particularly Republican-led states, uh, decide to end enhanced unemployment benefits, which pay an extra $300 a week, a week, to people who aren't in the, their jobs. They're deciding to end that early. They officially end nationwide in September. Some states ended them in June and some are ending them during July. And what we're going to see is in those states, people will get back to work. Because look, if you pay people more than they do, than they would get working, it's they don't work. Not because they're lazy, not because there's something wrong with them, not because they don't believe in the dignity of work. 
but because it's the smart thing to do if you're getting paid not to work over the summer why not just have an extra summer vacation john do we still have a free market i i mean i understand we're not a full-blown communist country here but do we still have a market that's free because Anytime you talk or read your excellent articles or stuff like that, what I see on paper is so much government control. This chairman's determining this. This person's determining that. It doesn't sound like the market's determining all that much. No, right now we are in a situation where everything from stock prices to interest rates to really businesses determining whether to expand or not is being decided on the basis of either fiscal policy from the federal government, monetary policy out of the Fed, and much less input into what's going on with private transactions. I agree with you. I think we're moving further and further away from a free market. We really do need to rethink this a little bit. I get it. You didn't want to just let the free market do what it was going to do when we were facing a national health crisis of the pandemic, and literally when we were throwing people out of work and shutting the doors of their workplaces. But it's time to start to retreat from that, time to start to rebuild back towards the market-based economy that we had and that was doing quite well from 2016 through the very beginning of 2020. I'm really worried about what the answer to this question is going to be, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Are there any adults in the room in Joe Biden's administration when it comes to economic matters? Anybody? Is there anyone in his administration that is saying, okay, no, let's let's not do that? Right now, there are very few. There are people, and weirdly enough, most of them are from the Obama administration, inside the administration, who realize that the plans they made in January when the economy still seemed to be pretty badly off, shouldn't be the plans they're trying to enact now in July, into August, into September, because the economy is doing much better than it was. So the strategy you come up with when the economy is still on the verge of collapse and the strategy you put in place when it's recovered should change. There are a few people in the administration who recognize this, but very few. Instead, what we're seeing is the dominance, I would say, of the far left both in the administration and in the Democratic Party, and they're pushing them to go for these big, big bills. Is this a Susan Rice problem, John? (laughs) You know what the problem is? Joe Biden has no real position on any of this. He listens to the people around him. His positions are way outdated. He doesn't really know what we should be doing with the economy. He doesn't have a strong view. He gets it from his advisors, and right now there's a war within his advi- within the White House, and sadly, I think it's being won by the far left. There are people who aren't as uh, I don't want to say crazy as um, as extreme left as a lot of the people we hear from, but they tend to get drowned out, and frankly, they're intimidated by the you know by charges of you're just going to let the children starve, and you know what about equity? That tends to push them off of wanting to argue. They spent a lot of years arguing with Republicans. They're not used to arguing with the far left, and they really don't know how to do it right now. John Carney, thank you so much, sir. Thanks for having me. All right. We're not quite done yet. Hang on. The economy can be tough to talk about, 
It can be because there's so many other things on our mind right now besides just dollars and cents. Dollars and cents always matter. But really, I mean, we're watching our culture get torn apart. The military's rotting out. The southern border's a disaster. So it almost sounds weird talking about the value of a dollar. But what does any of this mean if we have dollars collapsing? What does this mean if your money and my money all of a sudden isn't worth anything anymore? What if you can't go down to the grocery store and buy food? That becomes the most important thing in the world really, really, really quickly. We'll keep you updated on I'm Right, as always. I'll see you again.